is Dennis Michelson. It's time for another edition of the Data Lab. This is where all the hard work gets done behind the scenes to process the fantasy football information to hopefully get you a better record in 2022. And joining me as he does each and every week on the Data Lab here on For Frequency's Sake, it's the Professor John Bush. John, welcome back. Hey, uh, Dennis, we're having so much fun, you or I, and people can check out lots of things happening. I, I do want to comment, your hot takes are blazing here. I'm warming my hands every time <laughs> I, I read them there, but it's just so nice how you're putting the data by the numbers and you're judging hot takes that way. That is so refreshing. And, of course, in the data lab, we support – ourselves and of course anybody else that's going that direction using data as a guide and you know i think you know we're kind of coming in contact with some other folks out there that are doing that so it's just all good and coming into training camps and things it's going to be really interesting to see how a lot of this starts meshing together Absolutely. And when I'm asked about a player and they say, what do you think about so-and-so? Uh, sometimes I've got a good answer right off the the tip of the old brain stem because I've been looking at that in detail. But other times until I do the math, I don't have any more than just a gut reaction. And I don't like to go with just gut reactions. I like to break down the data and to see where it takes me. And there's been a few times when I have sat down to look at a particular player that it's changed my outlook of where that person will end in my rankings because I realized my adjustment for the 2022 season was not great enough. So it's a it's an interesting uh, sort of way to look at the data and to come up with a more concise way of deciding who might be the hot take for the 2022 season. And speaking of which, that that gets me to talking a little bit about the philosophy of the data lab in the first place, because I think, Professor, so many people are kind of surprised when they go over to the science of fantasyfootball.com and we actually share our process with them. I think this is very new, a very new concept for showing people how you got to A to Z uh, to come up with the rankings that you came up with because most people, they do not share their process for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, my consistency data that I use, which is kind of inspired by your original research, and you and I are kind of doing the same philosophy but different maybe metrics and ways to deal with it and I'm in a beta test. I think you're a little bit more convinced, and I'm convinced that there's definitely things here for us to use. But uh, right now, uh, I'm in the process of, of beta testing, so I try to put all that out for people to see the articles on my stuff, and your process stuff is already there. Now, Dennis, I will admit that I just put some material out for my uh late June rankings and there is some stuff that I am holding back just uh I just not sure I want to you know show every card come on now but I think the (laughs) consistency aspect and and my beta test is is wide open for people to see 
what's going on. So I, I, I kind of fall with you, but you know, not everything. Cause we, we put a lot of work in for ourselves as well as what we share. And, you know, you, you never know. I want to go for that million dollar daily fantasy sports, you know, millionaire maker stuff. Who knows? You know, we all want that. So you don't, you know, at the racetrack, you got a good long shot. You don't tell a lot of people because, you know, by the time you get the best, the hot dog man's in front of you, you're kept. And it's like, how did you find out? So you just, you know, you just don't want odds to drop too much on a good thing. Oh, yeah. Back <laughs> back in the day when I did some handicapping for the Gordon's tip sheet uh, in the Chicago harness racing scene, I'll admit that there were times that I had a 30-to-1 shot that I put on the card, but I put as my third pick, even though I knew he was my top pick, because yeah. I didn't want to water down my odds because I yeah. knew I'd be out there playing. So, yeah, you sometimes yeah. have to hold back a little bit. Yeah. The hot but... dog man, you know, let him earn his uh, <laughs> living through the hot dogs, not from your tips. There you yeah. go. That's good advice. And I'm yeah. doing a similar thing here when it comes to fantasy football. I've shared my process, and people want to go ahead and do the math themselves. They can come up with that. But when my rankings come out, they'll be available on Patreon, to, so you can you can subscribe for a nominal fee if you're too lazy to do the math by yourself. But uh, similarly, I'll be withholding some of my data except for pay because I want to win some leagues this year. That's where oh, I make yeah. my money. But uh, but we are showing our philosophy in the data lab and showing how the numbers get crunched and showing more importantly, I think professor showing people different types of numbers that need to be researched. And, you know, uh, you know, part of it and some of my articles have dealing with kind of the psychological aspects. How do you deal with uh, uncertainty? How do you deal with range of outcomes? There's some really key concept between your process and mine that I think is going to take multiple seasons. It's taken me multiple seasons to get familiar and feeling comfortable about juggling kind of uncertainty. That's the hardest thing in the world. Everybody wants you know, the exact, you know, results now and, you know, predicting the future is not that way at all. This is my ninth season trying to come up with a weekly tool that works in fantasy football. And it's my sixth year of putting out forecasts for my weekly value that I call best 10 that attempts to combine consistency with big game ability. And it's about my third year that I've been looking at consistency from the standpoint of a floor value. So this is very new techniques even for me, but we've added another technique to the data lab that I think is going to be a real big winner in the future. And that is looking at the data for median scores, looking at comparing medians um, and performance above medians. And you came up with some interesting data this week at the tight end position. Yeah, and just to let people know, the average and the median are different. Median is about at the 50% level, right? It's exactly half. 
if you've got a data set that's very skewed, like, you know, you've got a couple basketball players and a couple jockeys in your, uh, you know, data set of height of, say, guys, you know, if you've got 10 people and two of them are basketball and there's a jockey or two, that's going to really skew things. Median tries to eliminate that and look directly in the middle. So if you had, say, uh, let's say 11, it's easy. So we could do five, five, and that six person in is the median height for that sample, whatever you did. So it's right there in the middle. And so I've applied this approach across uh, the weeks of 2021. And that's why I'm calling it data test because I haven't had years of testing like Dennis has for his Big Ten and you know weekly value. So that's why I'm not uh, you know a hundred percent in. I'm just kind of watching. You know, just let's see what's going to happen here. But we'll know more probably next year, and then we'll we'll be talking about successes and things, you know, after the 2022 season. But we're looking at uh, the weeks over median. And that, I think, gives you an idea about the journey that, uh, for instance, this week, a tight end, and I've got three tight ends, and we're going to look at their 2021 journeys. And they had three different journeys, yet they all ended up in the same location at the end, if you count fantasy points, I'm talking about uh, uh, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz. We're talking 108, 107, 106. So I understand there's an uh, expectation that Pitts is going to somehow, and I know it's second year, and there's an ex. I, I got all the expectation. I'm just dealing with the data right now. The data says. From last year, just looking at that and ignoring, you know, expectation, which is the final aspect of, uh, you know, analysis, he was the same as Goddard and Ertz. But I have his consistency very different. In fact, the worst of those three, and uh, Goddard was pretty high, and Ertz was pretty high, and Pitts was not high. And remember, fantasy points includes touchdowns. And that's where I think people get a little wonky on things. And if you just look at end of the season, you could be tricked by injuries and you could be tricked by extreme touchdown routes or runs. And that can really mess your data up. Absolutely. And I think that uh, looking at data above median is very important because there's so few data points in fantasy football. Even if you look at a two-year sample, that's not a lot of data points. And one high or one really low can really skew the result if you were looking at averages like people tend to do when they look at points per game. Plus, I think it's very important to kind of weed out some of the games that the player did not play a full game in as well. But if you look at the best 10 values for those three players that you mentioned are so close in fantasy football points at the end of the year, they were very different when it comes to their best 10. Goddard was actually the highest of the three. 
and had the best consistency to a 10-point floor of the three, which is even more surprising because he spent the first half of the season sharing the tight end touches, the tight end opportunities with Ertz. Ertz's trade to Arizona was expected to boost his value, but he actually saw a 12% drop in his weekly value through the end of the year. So Goddard was the best in best 10 at 19.1. Pitts at 17.6. That's a half a tier behind. And then Ertz way down there at 15.3. So of those three, based on the last two years of data, you have to look at it and say, I'd kind of like to have Goddard at his pricing point, which is a lot cheaper than the other guys. Ertz is getting older. Ertz is in an uncertain situation with an offense that do they do they need a tight end or do they not? Is it just a luxury to them? So when I look at applying the changes for this upcoming year and assuming Pitts, who didn't score a touchdown all season, very surprising, assuming he's going to get in the end zone, I forecast his best 10 and Goddard's best 10 to be within one-tenth of a point. But where Pitts is going in the drafts versus Goddard, that means Goddard's a heck of a value this year. If you don't get an elite tight end, I would take Goddard and take a chance because you're going to get more upside than you will from many of the other tight ends that are not named Mark Andrews, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And so what I do next, and by the way, this article is out, and I've also done a video lesson on it at the Science of Fantasy, our, uh, .com, football.com. You can come check it out, and you can take your time and kind of go through. And I've got a lot more data on all the tight ends, so not just these three. And when I do a trend line analysis, and you and I would just uh, share this with you because uh, you hadn't seen this, uh, that Pitts was exactly opposite of Goddard, and they were kind of mirror images. Uh, Pitts was high early and declined by week 10, and uh, Goddard was a weak uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Pitts was strong early and declined. Uh, Goddard was weak early and improved uh, probably for your fantasy playoffs, at least some of them. But Ertz, on the other hand, which was, I think surprised you, from about game five and six on to about uh, uh, the end of the season, he stayed right below the median for tight ends. And in some ways, he gave you a consistency in, of the median versus those two were a little bit more extremes. And so you have to think beyond – you know, just a trend sometime. And that's kind of that next kind of Ouija board situation when we're going beyond the data. It's called expectation. And unfortunately for some, it's hopes and wishes, and it all gets muddled in there. I hope this happens this year. I just grafted Pitts third, and I hope he does good, but he could, you know, not do good. And so, when you walk away from data, just you need to be aware. I'm walking away from the data. It's getting a little tricky here. 
And I don't think the average fan considers that. They just kind of listen to the pundits and, okay, I'm doing this. And then at the end of the season, it's kind of like I got pie on the face. Where did this come from? And I think the analysis you and I do, we're not as easily surprised. Notice I didn't say we weren't surprised sometimes, but not as easily tricked and surprised as kind of the average fan is. And quite often we see patterns that the average fan don't see nope. because nope. when I look at pits and see the drop-off at the end of the year, all of a sudden my radar goes up and I say, what about his quarterback, Matt Ryan? Are yeah. we going to not see the big season out of a guy like Michael Pittman that we are expecting? Because yeah, when I look at – yeah, when I look at this data, I get a little bit concerned there as well. So you've got to look at the big picture when it comes to fantasy football. You've got to look at the patterns, but you've got to also then go beyond the data because we're not dealing with trying to predict who's going to score more points last year. We know what happened yeah. there. We're yeah. trying to forecast the future, and that's when <laughs> it gets tough. Yeah, And, you know, uh, people have different methods and – uh, I like to at least have a foundation. Uh, it's called reference class forecasting. I like to kind of know what's gone before. And I'll give you an example. If you ever, anybody listen, if you ever decide to build a house, one of the first questions to ask your builder, what's the average or median time it takes to build a house around this part of the country? And if they tell you two years, that needs to figure in your equation about selling the house you're in now. Two years, that's a long time. If you don't know that, you know, about six months in, you're thinking, where's my house? And you're saying, you know, that's this is just about how it's going to go. If they say three months, hey, that's very intriguing. I want to know kind of what's normal about a situation whatever it is uh people ask you know how what's the average price of a new car you know with this model and these options you need to know that i don't ever walk into a car dealer without knowing that data when they start flamming me and you know trying to sell me you know i say well here's the price what are you gonna do for me and that you know well and then we have, I have a lot of fun negotiating and my wife's a lawyer, so I make her do the heavy <laughs> lifting as well. And so we play good cop, bad cop on the, the uh, car dealers and get pretty good bargains on occasion. So you need to understand what is normal about a situation. I think that's what Big Ten, best, uh, best game, best big value and then uh, my median consistency, I'm hoping, will bring us at least an understanding and a foundation. Like, you know, a diving board, you got to hit the diving board and then into the pool. We need a, a board that's going to survive. I'm a pretty big guy. And if, I, if it breaks, I'm not going to dive too well. I'm going to kind of sink. So uh, we've got to have that foundation. And I think that's what the metrics allow people and the best pundits out here the analysts are going from that perspective 
and it's very important to look at more than just one way to look at each player yes. as well. And that's why, even though I've got some statistical tools that work for me right now, it doesn't mean I don't think we can get better with comparing games over median like the professor has done. For more about all of these concepts, head on over to scienceoffantasyfootball.com. You can read up on the process, understand the process, then look at the data so you can better understand how the data will make you a better player for next year. So for frequency's sake in the data lab, this is Dennis Michelson, professor. Great job as always. We'll do it again next week. Okay. Class dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>